Welcome to Time Out with Troy on 101.9 FM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Time Out with Troy. I am your host, Troy Langstaff. Uh, Earlier this week, I got the chance to sit down with the newly appointed head coach of the Queen's women's football team, Kwame Osei. We got the chance, or we got to chat about what he's most looking forward to, what type of coach he is, and I asked him about his experience on The Amazing Race Canada. After that interview, me and my special guest this week, none other than one of my top four favorite brothers, Corey Langstaff, will chat about the most recent and upcoming PGA events, as well as Dak Prescott's new deal with the Cowboys and more. So, Corey, thanks for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm not sure if you're familiar with how the show works, but I always start and end with an on this day in sports history. Let's hear it. So, on this day in 1979, Randy Hold received 67 minutes in penalties in a game against the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, normally... At the beginning of this series, I guess, I wouldn't go into much detail on these events, but the last couple of weeks I've been doing it, and it makes them more interesting. So this record is still standing today, and surprisingly enough, it all happened in the first period, and I guess the end of the first period of the game. There's a game between the Los Angeles Kings and the Philadelphia Flyers in Philly. Uh, Randy Hold got a minor penalty just a couple minutes into the game, and then there was a bit of a dust-up with Frank Bath of the Flyers, and it was a little bit more than a dust-up, you could say. He got a double major for fighting and then a game misconduct, so that's an extra 20 minutes right there. So 22 penalty minutes at this point in the game, right? And then, so these both of these guys should have been sent to the dressing room because there's you know 20 minutes in penalties that they have to serve, but they didn't. They got sent to the penalty box, And as I was reading the article, it said that uh, Hold was untying his skates with, you know, a couple seconds left in the period, getting ready to go to the dressing room. And one of the players on his team came over to him and said, tie your skates back up like they're coming for you after the period. Because a couple guys were upset with what Hold did, his minor penalty earlier in the game. He must have got a stick up or something. So he's like, he didn't even question it, tied his skates right back up. And sure enough, at the end of the period, he stepped out of the box and a bunch of guys came after him, and there was a, a bench a bench clearing brawl, obviously, because all the guys came off the bench. A uh, bunch of fights went um, after it all. Holt was given nine penalties in total. You know, this is including his, his minor penalty. So he had one minor, three majors, two 10-minute misconducts, and three game misconducts. That's impressive. For a total. Yeah, so that's I, for a total of 67 minutes. I'd like to know who pissed him off before the game. If I ever got a chance to talk to him, that's what I'd be asking was, who ticked you off that day? Because that's know. impressive. But I think, you know, like I said, they all they came to him. It was something that he did. That minor penalty got a stick up or, or whatever it was. But it sounds like he didn't really start much of it. But regardless, that's your On This Day in History from 1979. So that being said, um, we'll start off with the interview that I did with Kwame. I highly encourage you to, you know, pay attention. It was a very fun interview. He's a very nice guy and, you know, really went in depth on on some of the questions. So, so that being said, enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today we have a very special guest with us. He is a football coach, public speaker, teacher, mentor, and a former Amazing Race contestant, Kwame Osei. Kwame, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Hey, thanks for having me, Troy. Truly appreciate this opportunity, man. So I just want to start off by first saying congratulations on your new position with the women's football team. Or what does it mean to you to be in a position to help grow women's athletics, especially in a sport like football? Uh, honestly, it means the world to me. It means the world to me, especially knowing the background of the sport and just knowing what the goal is for the sport, uh, just to be able to be involved and maybe play uh, an incremental role in uh, in growing the sports sport and getting more awareness and and getting more people involved with the sport. It means it means it means a great deal because uh, I love the sport. The sport has uh, saved my life. So I, I always say uh, if I get opportunity to give back, I'm going to do that. So th this is what I see it as, as having given an, uh, taking the opportunity to give back to the sport that's uh, saved my life. So that's pretty much what it is. Awesome. Um, you know, when I was doing my research and reading some, some articles about you and some interviews that you have previously done and reading some things that other people had said about you, it seemed to be a common theme that you're very good at grabbing everyone's attention when you're speaking in a room, whether that be, you know, a locker room or at an event. So what do you think, in your opinion, allows you to connect with individuals when you're speaking to a group? Ooh, good question. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I think uh, the funny thing is that, like, for the longest while in my life, I was like, I'm a real quiet person by nature. Like, I'm an introvert by nature. But... Uh, I'm put in situations where I know that I can make a difference in somebody's life. And I choose to, to take on that opportunity and not just let it pass by. So I think really and truly, I remember it was a long time ago in when I was in Saint, at St. Effects, we, I was a captain on the team, right? So all the captains on the team, um, just as a, like a, as a team building thing, as a leadership thing, our coach brought in somebody to talk to us and they made us do personality tests, right? And the personality test will will tell what kind of leader you are. And when I filled it out, out, I filled it as honest as I could. And it came back that I was a humanistic leader. So that means like I understand how to bring people together. I understand people's emotions. I understand how, how, to, how, to, how to see things from other people's uh, perspectives. So right. um, also like in, in my first year, this is actually a really good, uh, good point uh, that can answer your question. A friend of mine who was uh, in his uh, fifth year and uh, he was, he was older than all, myself and all my roommates and whatever. And he lived in our, he lived in our house, right? He's somebody we looked up to. He's like the OG of St. Effects. <laughs> and uh, he lived with us for a year. And then the, the following year he was gone. But before leaving, he sent an email to all of us and uh, he just was just pouring out his heart to us, telling us, um, you know, just well wishes for the next year or whatnot. Right. And to me, he said, Kwame, you know, they say some some leaders are are made and some leaders are are born. Some people are born leaders, and you you are born you're a born leader. You just know how to get people, uh, how to bring people together. You understand people, and and that's something that I hope that you really take seriously and you take it to the next level. And at that moment, I was just like, okay, what, what's this guy talking about? Because I didn't see myself as that person. I'm just me. I just do me, you know. Yeah. But looking back, it's just crazy that he saw that 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 in me that I just never saw. So, um, I don't know. I just I just I just don't understand people. I understand people. I think the biggest thing is that I respect people. 
It doesn't matter who you are. I respect you. If I'm speaking to somebody, I'm speaking with them. I'm never speaking down at them. It doesn't matter if, if you're a little baby or if you're a 90-year-old person. It doesn't matter. I'm going to respect you. And, and, and I know by me respecting you, one, I'm going to learn from you. And two, you're going to respect me also. So it's a, it's a give and take um, relationship. So um, that might be the answer. I don't know. To tell you the truth, I don't know. No, I think that's a good point that you bring up about, you know, when you're standing in front of a room, you're not bigger than anyone else that's that you're speaking to. Right. I think I think that's a great point. Um, that's a good uh, transition into my next question, actually, in terms of, of coaching. Do you think that's uh, a characteristic of your coaching style that differentiates you from other coaches that maybe you've learned from or, or coached with? You see, that's an easy question for me because that's a hands down yes. You know, it's a hands down yes. It, it's that's my coaching style. That's my teaching style. That's my everything style. That's just who I am. You know, um, I I, I say this all the time. The ki the kids I I coached at Holy Trinity High School for the last seven years, they got a mot motivational speech every day of every day at practice. Every day at practice, every game was a motivational speech, you know, because that's just the way I am. That's the way I, I just love to inspire people. I love to see people get from point A to point B and so on and so forth. So uh, that's how I coach. That's the way I, I teach. That's the way I'm a personal trainer, too. That's the way I train, you know. So um, we all have gifts. We all have a gift um, that we were born with, that if you believe in God, you believe in the universe, whatever, we all have a gift that we are really good at something that we were put on this earth to do it that right there is my gift and i just i'm just sharing with the world in any any way possible whether it's teaching whether it's coaching whether it's training whether it's just talking to somebody randomly yeah i think that's that's a good point there it sure makes it exciting i guess for for all the athletes that you've coached to you know walk into practice and know that you're going to bring that same level of enthusiasm and energy every single practice or game but that's awesome. And uh, moving into, you know, your new role, uh, coaching the women's football team. Obviously, there's a lot of differences between flag football and contact football. What do you think, from a coaching perspective, is going to be the most uh, challenging difference to overcome? Um, I'll say the most challenging difference is, uh, well, not being able to hit. That, that, that puts a damper on things. But uh, the good thing is that I've played a lot of flag football, so I do understand the game, but I don't know specifically the rules to women's flag football. So that's something I think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a difference, going to be an obstacle that I'm going to have to definitely ch uh, take on and overcome. But other than that, it's football. It's football at the end of the day. I'm going to have to figure out concepts. I'm going to have to do some game film. But the, what I'm really good at is just building people up. I'm good at making sure that each individual on my team feels that they are prepared on game day, feels that they had they are equipped with all the tools needed to be to perform at their optimal level and, and understands that when they step on the field, that they're confident and they're the best at what they do. So that's my goal at the end of the day. And obviously with my fellow coaches, we're just going to make sure that they mentally they're they're ready for the game. Yeah, it's pretty well, I guess, the same thing with contact football. You got to watch film. You got to learn. The it's, it's exactly the same thing. So. Uh, you did actually answer my next question was, you know, what are some of your goals that you'd like to see moving forward? Um, so the next one being, uh, whether it be achieving those goals or getting back to playing or being together with all the, with the team, what are you most looking forward to in this new role? I think I'm most looking forward to um, building relationships, uh, whether it's people from the players on my team, the coaches, the coaching staff that I've assembled or, uh, 
other teams that we play against and other coaches, you know, just, just, uh, you know, again, to building relationships with people, creating new experiences. And most importantly, under knowing that, um, I can pass on the life lessons that this sport has taught me to these players. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I've coached so many children, so many players. Um, I've coached some females before in the past that were part of my men's team or part of my uh, football academy or came to my football camp. And one thing I'll tell you is the confidence level after being a part of something like that is totally different. And that's what it's about. I want every individual on my team to be confident, not only on the field, but in life. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good point. And the the point you made about the relationships too, it seems like that's the first, the most important thing that needs to happen. Once there's a relationship, then the rest will, will fall into place, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So my last question here about the amazing race. I asked you beforehand if I Let's could go. ask Let's it. Get it. Give it to me. Um, you're a contestant on season six, finished third. That's awesome. What was You don't have to rub it in, bro. You don't have to rub it in. I say it. Just say I was a contestant. You you don't have to say you finished third. Just say (laughs) I was a contestant. I mean it as a good thing. It's still early, man. Even though two years ago, it's still early. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right. Um, You know, what was that whole experience like? And what's one thing that viewers don't know about the show? Almost like a behind the scenes sort of thing that we wouldn't know. I always answer this the same way, man. As cliche as it sounds, it was an amazing experience. Like I'm a kid from from Rexdale. Going away to university was a big deal for me. That was like out of my comfort zone. That was eye opening for me. I got to travel around the country and around the world for free, like literally for free. For six weeks, I was traveling and just experiencing new things. I got to go to Dawson City, Yukon, a place that I probably never would have went to in my life and just got exposed to so much things out there, to the nature, to history. And uh, it was just a phenomenal feeling, you know, went to Jakarta, Indonesia, I went to Mexico. And uh, I'll say that there's so many gems in this country that we don't even realize, you know, everybody, a lot of people like to take trips to the Caribbean or to somewhere hot when there's so many beautiful places from the east to the west in Canada. So I, I, I highly urge everybody, whoever gets a chance to to travel this country, take 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 that the time to really get to know your country and really, really um, discover um, this beautiful country of ours called Canada. And that was my Heritage Canada moment, by the way. <laughs> but um, it was honestly and, and you know why it was also great for me, why I, I really enjoyed that experience. I had a great partner. I think if uh, I didn't have a partner I had, I might not be saying the things I'm saying right now. You know, my, my boy, my boy, Dylan was uh, he's just like the yin to my yang. Like we just complement each other. And it was just like a natural, organic thing. And and to be on a race like that with somebody that you're going to be around 24 seven, you better be able to get a lot. You better so, like them. Uh, they say that they say the, the race can make or break relationships. Like there's there's married people that broke up from being on the race. Like actually, there's a couple on our wow. show on our season that broke up. I think they're, yeah, they're, they're long time boyfriend and girlfriend. They broke up after the show. Really? So, um, what I found is that uh, my relationship, or like my brotherhood with Dylan, is even stronger because of that race. Something that people don't realize, I think people don't realize how, mu- how much pressure is on you when you're on the show. Like, I play professional sports, I play football all my life. Um, I've, I've been on TV before, you know, and I, I, I felt those were pressure situations, but. Being on the Amazing Race Canada is 
pressure. It's real pressure. It's next level pressure. Oh yeah. Like doing a challenge uh, that you're trying to focus on the challenge, trying to um, do do the math or or do the memorization in your head, trying to focus, and you got somebody asking you a lot of questions. You're frustrated at the same time. <laughs> you look up. There's a bunch of cameras in front of you, and everybody's staring at you, and you're really trying not to react, not trying to say what you really want to say because you're yeah. really scared, but you know that people are also watching from home. That's a lot of pressure. And you don't want to let anybody down, right? So um, it, it, it was it was it wasn't easy, but you know what? It was fun, and I would do it all all over again. Yeah, I bet it was. I think that's you know what? As soon as you said the the point about the, the cameras, that's something I never thought of. You know, when you're doing those challenges, it's like, oh, how hard can it be? And then you got all these yeah. cameras in your face, and yeah, that's that's a good point that you made there. So, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I wish you all the best and good luck in your new role. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Troy. I really appreciate this. Like, I'm humbled to to be on this. Anytime I get an interview, like, I'm gonna give you my all. So, thank you for taking the time to um, to give me this opportunity. Awesome. All right. So, once again, I just like to thank Kwame for taking the time to do that. And you know, Kwame, if you're still listening, I do want to apologize. I didn't mean to take a shot at the third place finish. I meant it as a compliment. I sincerely mean that. Okay, Corey, so we'll start off, if you're ready, for this past PGA Tour event at Bay Hill. It was the Arnold Palmer Invitational. It took place in Florida, and Bryson DeChambeau uh, won that one by one stroke, one stroke over Lee Westwood, and Canadian Connors was in the mix, finishing third at eight under. I want to talk mostly about Bryson's driving power. I don't really care you know, what, what title it was for him, but just the, the power he has off the tee and how fun it is to watch him. So. I'm sure you noticed the the two drives on the par five sixth. He cleared 340 yards of water and put her close to the green on the par five. What are your thoughts on that? Well, he put it he put it through the fairway too. The guy just mashes golf balls. I it, it, it kind of makes you think of John Daly when John Daly came on the tour back in the day. Oh yeah, I'm Everyone very was- very familiar with John Daly's time in the PGA, Corey. I love <laughs> watching him growing up. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. You know of John Daly. Story yeah. behind him, the guy just mashes golf balls. That's kind of how Bryson is now. Those drives were, yeah, even the fans were hollering. He put his hands up in the air like he just won because he just cleared the water. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty – it's fun to watch. It's exciting. But, yeah, like that's how it was when Daly came on too, and it's just it's Daly 2.0. I mean, minus smoking cigarettes mid-round and – yeah. Coming to the course off a big bender. But yeah, like everyone's talking about it. He's just mashing golf golf balls. I think in this day and age too, there's not like, he makes golf exciting. I think you could say that. You know, you, you often see, I guess, the fans with their phones out, you know, recording the drives off the tee, but especially him and especially on that par five, six. Like I said, he had to carry 340 yards and here I am struggling to get it 220 on a regular course. Um, I can, yeah, I've seen that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. It it is exciting. Um, And something I, I looked into was, and it's crazy is to put into perspective, his uh, driving accuracy is 128th on tour. Yeah. His greens and regulation is 106. His potting 65th around the green, he's 49th. So those are all average to below average stats. And he's still world ranking of 11. So he's ranked 11th in the world. So it goes I mean, to show how, important how far 
driving the ball far gets you. And a lot of people say, well, there's a lot more to it. Well, yeah, but if he can uh, complete his game a little more and become above average in all those other categories, he's got a chance to, you know, win a lot and regularly. Yeah, be more, certainly be more dangerous than, than what he already is. Right. And I think that was a good point that you were making about all the statistical categories, how he's, you know, fallen behind the, the average, it seems like. And specifically going into next week at the players at TPC, those that was one of the reasons that, that people were, were, you know, saying why he wouldn't do well. Because that's one area of his game that he excels in, but he's got to keep it in the fairway if he's going to have a chance at this yeah. week. Exactly. Like some courses, you just can't miss fairways. Some courses, you can get away with it, and that's where he does well. But some courses, the rough's just so insane that if you miss the fairway, well, you're not hitting the green your next shot, and now you're struggling to make a par. So Exactly. It's got its pros and cons for sure. Yeah, and more specifically, you know, also talking about Bryson at this at the players this week, they implemented a rule on the 18th hole. It's an internal out of bounds. So the reason for this rule is so players will... So on the, on the 18th hole at TPC Sawgrass, there's a, a pond that goes up the entire left side of the 18th fairway. Yeah. So some players, this, this rule is going to stop players from driving it over the pond onto the 9th fairway because doing so would possibly give them a better angle at reaching the 18th green. And, you know, there's a lot of, of safety reasons for that. And it, it would, there's only bad reasons. There's only cons for players doing that safety reasons, maybe slowing down play and then having to, you know, walk around this massive pond and then go back across. So that's, those are some of the reasons why they've implemented this rule. I think it's a good idea I guess. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, another reason is by going across that way, you're taking the water completely out of play pretty well because you're going to clear it. Whereas if you're going straight away, you can't miss left because you're in the water. Whereas going towards the ninth hole, water basically is taken out of play. But yeah, you kind of, there, there comes a point where you got to draw a line. Like, yeah, fans are going to be lined up the ninth hole. You can't just be booming it at them. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, no. And then, yeah, it's just it's becoming like not golf. You know what I mean? You gotta, you don't want people firing it hole to hole to hole just to, you know yeah. what I mean? You gotta play the hole you're on. So I don't mind it. I I think the PGA is saying that it's because they don't want people getting hurt. I think the main reason is they don't want golf to become a joke, and they want it to be played the way it's supposed to be played. Yeah, so play the hole you're on. You know what I mean? I think that's more so what the PGA is trying to do here is keep golf golf no i think that's a good point and it's 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 rare that you'll see players use other fairways in general so i guess this is just gonna stop it before it even starts if you know it's what I actually mean. Been, yeah it's been done before they've actually made this rule i believe it was a sony open they've done it and in, in uh, hawaii they've had to do it yeah so it's been done before it's not like it's the first time ever but bryson was talking about doing it so they kind of put a kibosh to that before it even happened <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of the players, though. Yeah. What do you, you know, last year it was, it was canceled because of COVID. It was actually canceled in the middle of the tournament after the first round. Um, there hasn't been back-to-back -back winners in this tournament, I think it's 47-year history or something like, like that. Rory won it back in 2019. There's a lots of guys that, you know, have good 
have a really good chance at, at winning this year. The odds right now, uh, DJ's got the number one odds at plus 1,100. DeShambo's up there. John Rom. if you had to pick maybe, let's say, two or three players who you think are going to finish or do pretty well, who, who are you thinking? I'm going McElroy. I know, I know your stat. Back-to-back winners don't seem to happen, but he's been playing good. I like Colin Morikawa. He's young. He's a stud. And my favorite golfer right now on tour who I'm going with is Victor Hovland. Mm. little off the board, but him and Morikawa are young guys, and you're going to see them winning lots. And Hovland, all three of them have been playing good recently, so I think they're going to keep it up going into the weekend here. Those are those are some fair picks. Where's Hovland? Was he, is he from Norway? Norway. Norway, yeah. That's Norwegian. you don't. Yeah, you don't. It's not very often that you see guys from Scandinavia, um, <laughs> up the regs in the PGA. But yeah, no, those those are some good picks. I think I don't want to like cop out here, but you have to say Dustin Johnson, Bryson, like you like the reasons that we went over. Depending on if he can keep the ball in the fairway and maybe clean up a couple other areas of his game, he could do well. Um, just looking at this list here, I like I like Morikawa too. Since he he won that, well, I don't even know what tournament it was. I I've liked him. I like those two. Can't go wrong with any of them. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you never know. I've done golf pools and been so far off. It it's not even funny. Oh yeah, I know you and your predictions. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That being said, I'm not gonna solidify any predictions. So I'm not gonna. Actually, we'll see. I might come back to them depending on how well yeah, our picks are. <laughs> Anyways, um, moving into to football, just recently, I think it was just a couple of days ago, Dak Prescott signed a new deal with the Cowboys. Four years, $160 million, um, with a record $126 million guaranteed. This is his second most uh, money for uh, in terms of average annual value at $40 million. Uh, Second to Patrick Mahomes is 45. My first thoughts when I saw this was that I don't like this signing, or at least the the amount of money, because I don't think Prescott has really proven himself. I mean, you could you could certainly argue that he's got a 42 and 27 record as a starter. He had career high uh, almost 5,000 passing yards, 30 touchdowns in 2019. But in terms of playoffs, they've been the Cowboys have made the playoffs twice since 2016, and Prescott's one and two. What do you disagree? Do you agree? What are you thinking? Oh, I, I, it's risky. That's a lot of money are given to. I get he's a star, but and coming off this this injury too. Yeah, coming off a major ankle injury, and you haven't seen him play since, so it's a lot of guaranteed money, especially to give a guy. And if I were to say anything, I'd say. They need to spend some money on their offensive line because last year they were 26th in the league in sacks per game. So if you're going to put a lot of money into a, a player like that, you better put some money into protecting them. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think uh, that's you know your second priority once you sign a quarterback for this amount of money is you got to make sure he's got protection up front. Absolutely. So um, we'll... Don't have much time left, but we'll quickly touch on. Do you want to do the Tom Wilson or the Blake Griffin to the Nets quickly? Let's go Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. So, um, this was earlier in the week. Tom Wilson got suspended seven games for a hit to the head of the Boston Bruins' Brandon Carlo. 
at first I didn't think this was a very dirty hit. I thought, yeah, maybe he'd get a couple games for it. But because he's a repeat offender, this is his fifth suspension. And, you know, Carlo was hurt on the play. He stayed down for a couple minutes, went to the hospital. He has been released. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a lot of games. His last suspension was 20 games after a high hit on Oscar Sundquist. This was a couple years ago. Seeing that, seven games, sure. What do you think? Uh, just quickly, I don't think it was a seven-game suspension. Like you said, it's all in the name of the player. Yeah. He's got a bad reputation, so it got him seven games. The other night, Dante Fabro got two games for an elbow on Brock McGinn. Look up that hit. It was ten times worse, and he got a third of the amount of games. So it's all about player reputation. No, that's – yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Seven games – like I said, it's it's maybe two or three games maximum, but because he's a five-time repeat offender and he's Tom Wilson, known for you know dirty plays, that's why he got it. Oh, exactly. Um, so that's about it for time. But just to end with another on this day in history, I don't have a big backstory on it, but in 1986, the NFL adopted the instant replay rule, which was wasn't first used until. 1986 week one game between the Browns and the Bears. So that's going to do it for this week for Time Out with Troy. Uh, Corey, thank you so much for joining me and the helpful insights on golf, something that I haven't really touched on much this year. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. So take care, everyone, and stay safe.